Hello, welcome back to K Have You Seen, the movie podcast with hot takes on cold viewings. I'm Kyle. I'm Kari. Today we are once again joined by a special guest. Introduce yourself, special guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my name's Thomas. Thomas Devant. Yes. Awesome. Thomas Devant is a good friend and coworker of ours. A longtime listener, first time guest. Definitely. He's one of the like most avid. It's true. This is, the sentence doesn't make any sense. No, <laughs> one of the people that I talk to the most frequently about our podcast, honestly, I feel like you brought it up a couple times. Yeah, it's which... been a long time in the, in the running. For sure. Yeah. Like a year. Yeah. Not only about our podcast, but also just like a long time, that, you know, one of the movie most viewer. avid movie watchers that I know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like constantly bringing up like, hey, have you seen this movie that's like, no, I've never even heard of that actually. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. You have very artsy tastes and I think we'll yes, get into that. Absolutely. <laughs> very rarely anything that's like out right now so whenever yeah. that comes up I'm like I haven't been to a movie in like two years but no it's not been that long but yeah it's it's usually older stuff so yeah so now like before we actually get into the movie that you brought to us today mm -hmm. like what, generally speaking like what do you gravitate more toward like what does your movie taste like oh man um, honestly it's all over the board it'll change it can change in an afternoon like I can start watching a movie and, <laughs> and then halfway through be like you know what? I'm not in the mood for comedy right now. I'd rather watch some horror. Yeah. Oh, okay. you'll bail mid-movie. I'm bad like okay. that. It really takes a lot for a movie, and it also takes like a certain mindset to sink in to a movie. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same way with books too. Like I'm, I'll have like six books going at the same time. It's really just like <laughs> where my mood is that yeah, day, what totally. I'm feeling. But usually, it's kind of like this movie that we're gonna talk about. I like to I usually gravitate towards slough, stuff that's a little slower, a little more meditative mm. um yeah especially with with work being so go 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 and always commanding attention i'm like all right i need something that's just gonna like slow me down gotcha. and get me into like a nice how do you find the movies you watch usually <laughs> for a long time um i mean it was like i came to stuff like the criterion collection which is like you know sounds really artsy and and pretentious but that's where like all the high quality like older movies and mm -hmm. foreign flicks mm -hmm. were um, and it's also kind of a weird hobby of mine or, t or really time waster to just like get online and just like do that movie rabbit hole thing where totally. you're like, yeah. this movie, who, who was in this, who directed this? Oh my God, he was, he, he did this. And like these two actors were in the same movie. Holy shit. I've never even heard of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and then you go find it and actually watch it. Yeah. And then you go find it and watch it and you're like, well, that wasn't so good. But then you're like, oh, but he also, this guy shot this movie and like, oh, he riffed on this and. And it's like that whole, like in college, whenever we'd study like postmodernism and all that stuff, and the whole like movies, referencing other movies. Um, I, like, I like that sometimes, but then it's also nice to find that movie that's totally different and that mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it's referencing anything in that sort of Tarantino way. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, crazy about, crazy about movies. So. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, occasional... Uh, to see you, not not uncommon to see you repping the uh, the current favorite and only Atlanta video rental store, Videodrome. Ooh, oh, oh man, yeah. yeah, Videodrome is honestly. I mean, I try to reference that place to everybody yeah. um, and to recommend that they go there. It's it's weird because people aren't like 
you know, I have a DVD player, which is, you know, I'm super okay, old school. I know. <laughs> like, and I didn't realize I have Kyle's old, DVD player. I didn't so. how old school that was until, and it's not even a DVD, a DVD player. It's like an Apple monitor that I just put DVDs into. <laughs> it and just I'm, has a CD slot, yeah, which is like, even, even that. to get a Blu-ray player until the guy at Videodrome, I was like looking at something. He's like, you know, we got that, like, it was like a Kurosawa movie or something. He's like, dude, I'm not going to let you get the... DVD of that. He's like, you got to get the Blu-ray. It's mm -hmm. so good. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't have a Blu-ray player. And he was like, dude, get out. Get one. <laughs> He's like, they're not even that expensive. Just go get one. So I need to do that. But like that whole, the thing about Videodrome that's sad and probably inevitable is that that whole format's like slowly on the way out. Yeah. I mean, the, the video, sad. obviously the video <laughs> rental market is small, but like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a niche market, but you know. Yeah. They, I mean, that place is always packed with like oh yeah yeah i mean you see the same faces sure mm -hmm. um and it's amazing that it's been able to like survive where oh yeah where it is i mean it's such a cultural presence in atlanta i don't yeah. know at all kind of what their financials look like but it seems like yeah the niche is just big enough for videodrome essentially yeah. like i i dance on the grave of blockbuster but oh, videodrome there's room for something like that yeah i tell it's this i tell this story store. yeah i tell the story pretty frequently but like when I was in college, like nine years ago, eight years ago, I uh, there's a, a video store in Gainesville um, that was run by a UF professor called Video Rodeo. And when I was there in like 2007, they had this thing going on. Like one of their gimmicks was like, if you cut up your Blockbuster video membership card or your Hollywood video membership card, you get a free rental. But now jokes on... <laughs> You know, jokes on Blockbuster now because Video Rodeo, I think, is still there, and Blockbuster yeah. has long since gone under. Yeah. Which is funny because you'll see these things like the last video store in America, the mm -hmm. last Blockbusters in Oregon, and you're like, Video Drums like doing well. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and they have a lot of celebrities that like come in there too, and I think they had Peter Fonda was in there, and like, oh, Ed right Edgar Wright came. Yeah, through. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, like the cool. big movie guys will. If they hear about it, they'll, they'll go. It helps that they have a cool logo. You know, it helps that they got a good logo oh, yeah. that looks awesome on a t shirt. <laughs> yeah, it does. And they're not total jerks at Blockbuster. For no, sure. yeah, and those guys are, are really knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, so. for sure. So, yeah, check out Videodrome if you're in the Atlanta area. Um, but, uh, yeah, so without further ado, the movie that we are actually talking about today <laughs> is 2011's Oslo, August 31st, um, which. It's, uh, Kari, how would you describe this movie? Like, if you were going to summarize this movie, how would you describe it? Yeah, so it's a Norwegian film. It's a Norwegian language film. So, um, you know, English is very prevalent in Norway, but still, this one, completely Norwegian. Um, and it's following just one day, hence the title, but we kind of see from the early morning of August 31st through kind of, no, of August 30th mm -hmm. through into the morning of August 31st. This one youngish, I think he says he's in his early 30s. 34. Yeah, yeah man who um, is in rehab. We kind of open on him after presumably a one-night stand. Um, I think he kind of says later on that it was a one-night stand with some Swedish girl. Um, and he goes back to his rehab center and before that attempts suicide. Then he goes to kind of through a day where he's at rehab, never mentions the suicide attempt, uh, goes back to Oslo, uh, presumably his rehab center is just outside the city. It seems like it's just a train ride away. Goes to Oslo, meets up with some old friends, meets up with, um, well, he's supposed to meet up with some of his family, but that doesn't end up working out. And then um, goes to a job interview, doesn't go super well, ends up partying that night. And then the next morning, I guess it's supposed to be a question mark. I kind of interpreted it pretty definitively. Yeah, but yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, same here. Um, Some of the synopses I read kind of seemed it, like it was supposed to be it was, in the air, but it was ambiguous. It was ambiguous, I guess, when you think about it. But I had a did not. It did not feel ambiguous to me at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's about a guy who's in rehab and he has an opportunity to really turn his life around, but it completely backfires and he just kind of backslides over the course of a day. Yeah. Um, and it's a kind of a bummer to watch, but it is a really, you know, it is a movie that kind of like sticks with you, I think. Um, Thomas, I think one of the things that you said to me uh, when we were planning this episode is that like you hadn't been able to get it out of your head and I can totally mm. see why. Because it's like there's not a whole lot happening, but there's a lot of stuff at play that I think like makes it, you know, stick with the viewer mm-hmm. afterward. Like if you if you will sit through if you have the patience to sit with it, I definitely think this is like a, a, a movie that a lot of people will find interesting even if they didn't think they would. Um, normally you try to find a quote unquote official synopsis for this, but um, the first line of Roger Ebert's review kind of summarizes it pretty succinctly. So he says, and I quote, Oslo, August thirty first is about a day, a city, and a thirty four year old man named Anders who was on release from a drug rehab center so he can go to a job interview. That's the setup. Yeah. Um, and then everything that happens to him over the course of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Thomas, could you tell us about like your background of this movie? Like, how did you first hear about it? When did you first watch it? <laughs> first reaction? That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I had a um, a friend who studied in Denmark was studying film in Denmark and basically reached out to me and said, you know, knowing that I was into film, said, Hey, do you know this director named? Um, hope I'm not slaughtering his name here, but I think it's Joachim. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Trier, um, and she was like, it's not Lars von Trier. <laughs> right. She was like, it's very different from Lars von Trier. I was like, okay. Um, and she goes, you should check out his work. It's really interesting, and he's got a new movie coming out this summer, and it was premiering at Cannes, and like, long story short, but that summer I had like an opportunity to be in Cannes during mm. that time. Wow. Um, went and saw that movie, actually, like during a daytime screening, Louder Than Bombs. Is what it was called. Yeah. And it's oh, I got, remember that making the mm-hmm. circuit yeah. around here. And it was like um, an English, his English language debut, I think, and it had Jesse Eisenberg and Gabriel Byrne and Isabel Huppert. Um, and it was good. I mean, I, I thought it was, it was, you know, it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen. It sort of had that like New England, you know, upper middle class, ordinary people feel to it where the family, like everyone shouldn't be depressed but everyone's like massively depressed mm-hmm. and you know it's yeah. like heading towards a train wreck sort of thing but it had this real dreamy sort of like risky business vibe to it that really rang with me um and also just the way that it was shot too like that some of the cinematography and it was beautiful i mean like natural light and these like close-ups that were kind of like they were super clear but dreamlike at the same time so after I saw that movie, I was like, all right, I need to check this guy out. Um, and I started, like, watching interviews with him, and he's a very, like, upbeat guy, and he's very into films, very into film history. He actually started out making, he was, like, a skateboard champion wow. in Norway. Okay, all right. Which is, inc- you know, and you're like, what the heck? And he started, like, making skateboard videos with his friends, um, and I think maybe did some music video work, but I know for sure skateboarding videos. And then um, his first movie was this film called Reprise, which I actually just sought out after we decided to do this movie for this podcast. I went out and found and, and watched that. Um, we can come back to that movie. But yeah. anyway, I when I got back from 
from France. I was like, I need to check out this Oslo movie. And I'd heard about it, and the synopsis put me off, too. I was like, I something about, like, movies about drug addicts. You're like, Jesus, it's either going to be, like, train spotting. Exactly, Where yeah. it's super stylized and fun and, like... And, you know, you use that term fun loosely. Well, f gross, but also kind of fun, yeah. Yeah, where you're like, God, that looks fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, or then you have Requiem for a Dream, where yeah. you're like, Jesus, just like mm -hmm. total, you mm -hmm. know, like where's the middle ground? Um, well, two movies that are very stylized, but with completely different tones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And definitely, definitely what's, and, and I think I see where you're going with this, and like, this movie is very unstylized. It's like, yeah. it is very, like, in that realism, like the... I mean, we watch Italian neorealism movies in film school, and like Definitely. this is very much in that vein of like Bicycle Thief and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I mean, so the synopsis sounded really dull. I was like, I feel like it's going to be a slog to get through this film. Um, and I got my hands on a copy of it and watched it like in an afternoon, and was just sort of entranced by it. And I kept actually, I remember kept pausing it because I was like, God, I just needed like every twenty minutes to just stop and be like, I need to like. Mm -hmm. Just stay yeah. with this feeling. Yeah. It was just one of those mo those movies that I don't know why it hit me the way that it did. Like, you know, I'm not a heroin addict, and I've never, mm -hmm. you know, had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But um, just the way that the movie was shot and the way that it was told, like there were just things in it and his character that like spoke to me on this level. Yeah. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I'm, you know, uh, it was just a game changer movie for me. So yeah, well, and I, I, I think that you know. I kind of got a, a similar feeling, and I mean, I will, we can talk about this a little bit later in more detail, but like, it definitely conveys, like, the drug addiction thing is, like, very specific to this one character, but also, like, I definitely got the feel, like, it really does a good job of conveying the feeling of, like, when you've been away from home for a long yeah. time, and then you yeah. come back, and how, like, this, it's both extremely familiar and extremely unfamiliar at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I never put those two feelings together, but yeah, like the, the feeling I got from this movie, because it really doesn't feel heavy. Like no. with other addiction stories, like you're saying, there's, I feel like there's kind of this, this like manipulative m emotion. They really want you to feel this emotion yeah. and you can feel that. But this, I think there's, there's a lot of breathing room. It's very slow. It's very, you know, it literally is a day in the life and you, you, feel how you feel, but I never felt like, you know, even even with the subject matter and even with the ending, it never felt kind of heavily depressing or anything. It just yeah. felt very like, like I got to watch everything. Like it didn't, it wasn't bending over backwards to show like drug addiction as like some horrible thing, which I think is more true to life in its presentation. And that's kind of what makes it, that element of it kind of like subtly scary mm. is that it's like, this is something that just kind of floats under the surface. Like it's not, it's not, train spotting it's not record yeah. for a dream this is probably what like 90 percent of like the actual like addicted segment of the community probably is experiencing more so than you know having like your arm rotting off or sure. like trying to dig a suppository out of the toilet and things like that <laughs> you know and it doesn't give a lot of backstory to his addiction like this is not a character that's really set up for us to have a ton of sympathy for him Definitely. like he says he's what like upper middle middle mm -hmm. class he's a white man living in a very well-off society mm -hmm. like it's not there's not a lot of like oh man like he was really set up for failure like he was set up for success and he recognizes that and it just it it keeps it from getting too kind of sappy or overly emotional but then you still really feel for him as a, as a real person yeah and you get that sense 
that he's like right from the beginning when he goes to Oslo when he returns to Oslo from his rehab center that it's like he he's determined that like this isn't going to work he's yeah. he's already given up yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's once you, once you realize that about him you kind of watching it this time watching it the first time it kind of made me mad and watching it this time I just felt this like sadness for the whole thing I was yeah. like I mean I I've, I've had that feeling of you know where you're just like it's yeah. not going to work out, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's such a hard feeling to shake. And when you have a character like that, where he does have all these people that he's hurt and like so much ground that just can't be, you know, they can't mend, you know, well, we see that he can't mend these things with people. It's like, I guess this is the only way that he can go. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kari, what, like what, talk a little bit about your first reaction. Like when you were watching it, like kind of what was, what was going through your mind when you were watching this for the first time? Yeah. Um, so I had never heard of this film before. Um, not really familiar with the director before this, although looking him up, like I had heard the, heard about Louder Than Bombs when it was kind of, you know, having that wave of popularity. Um, and I, I wasn't sure where it was going and I didn't want to spend too much time like really guessing. I think especially with movies where, you're reading a lot, like, you know, to understand something, like, you have to be so intently focused, and I feel like that changes the experience entirely for me, and it works really well with a movie like this, because mm -hmm. it's worth being kind of zoned into, so, um, yeah, I appreciated the lack of heaviness, and the fact that it didn't take this character in a, like, oh, like, life's really against him, because you can't really say that about a character like this. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciated it. It was, it was an interesting time for me. We'll talk about this a little bit. Um, maybe if we talk about similar movies, but, um, I watched some similar movies that it put that in an interesting conversation, but, um, yeah, overall I enjoyed it and it was a good, I'm not always in the mood for something that is kind of slow and very thoughtful, but, um, I'm glad I got the chance to watch this and to really be kind of just sit with it. It's only like an hour and a half long. It's mm -hmm. not oh, very it's long so, and yeah, it takes its time, it. but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like a slog. It was, it was nice to just sit with it and kind of mm -hmm. watch it. Yeah. I, I had a similar reaction. Like, and I mentioned this before about like other movies, but part of the reason why I love doing this podcast is because people bring movies to me that I would not only have I never seen, but I would have never thought to seek out in the first mm -hmm. place. And I probably would have never watched this movie had somebody not recommended it to me. And made a case for it, and um, and that's you know to my detriment. I think that this is definitely something that I. It took me a little while to kind of get into because I, I I went in pretty cold. Like I pretty much all I had was the title, and your basically like one sentence like summary of it, of it, Thomas, when you pitched it to us. And so like I went in pretty cold, didn't watch a trailer or anything like that, didn't read any reviews. And so once I kind of figured out what was going on, I was like, interesting. I was I was intrigued. Still didn't quite know what to make of it until it was all over with, but it was still really, it was like a really, it was an interesting experience. Like watching it was just like an interesting kind of experience and like how it is on the surface a pretty plain movie. Like it is, it's very Scandinavian. Um, <laughs> when, um, uh, when at the Atlanta Film Festival this year, when Lulu Wong was presenting her movie, The Farewell, which takes place in China, but she talked in her Q&A about how like, it takes place in an area in northern China that's very near, like, the Russian border. And she talked a little bit about how, like, that climate really strongly influences filmmakers from Russia, Scandinavia, whatever. And it has a very, like, 
cool yeah. temperature-wise. Like, yeah. you can feel, like, the temperate, like, the, the coldness of, like, the people. something in the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something like, in the air. Precisely, yeah. It's a little yeah. desaturated. It's a lot of, like, yeah. blues oh, yeah. and whites and greens. Like, it, the whole thing just yeah. feels very cool. Nature yeah. Very, like, Ingmar Bergman-like in yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that that's just some Tarkovsky kind of-ish. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there was something to that. Like, like these, these filmmakers that come from these regions where it's, like, it's cold... Um, but then again, this takes place in late summer, you know, the idea that, you know, there's a scene very near the end where it looks like it's dawn, but I was also thinking, well, it's August in Norway, so it's probably two o'clock in the morning, yeah, true, yeah. you know, cause that, that, that twilight slash dawn period lasts for like three hours Definitely. during the summertime mm -hmm. up there. And so I was thinking, I was really kind of intrigued. That was like the moment where like everything kind of clicked into place with me. And I was like, wow, this is really just like a very transportive film experience in a lot of ways and so I was I was I, I will thank you for bringing this movie to my attention because yeah. like again it's something I never probably would have watched had, had you not recommended it yeah um but uh yeah uh critics love this movie high like uh, high marks across the board Ebert in particular really loved it um I believe this was one of the last movies that he reviewed wow. um wow. in uh, early 2012 because I think he passed away in 2012 or 2013 mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, but Roger Ebert was an alcoholic himself. Like he dealt with addiction. So I think that he probably had a pretty close connection to like what this guy was feeling. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, he summarized it pretty well and his review isn't particularly remarkable, but it's a, you know, very, there weren't any like standout quotes or anything, but it's really like a, gives you a pretty good sense of it if you're curious about that. Um, but yeah, we talked a little bit about movies that, um, would pair well with this one or that this reminded us of, but, uh, um, Train spotting, of course, this is definitely more mm. realistic, less flashy. I was also definitely reminded of like, it's a wonderful life in a lot of ways, which is mm. a movie that I reference a lot on this podcast. But like, I really do think that this is like a good. It's a very interesting kind of like modern take on that kind of idea of, you know, thinking you may have taken your life in the wrong direction, and just kind of seeing no way out. Mm -hmm. um, this is very much like, like middle portion of it's a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah, I. That's something I would like to dive deeper in with you guys. It's mm -hmm. just like, I think this movie has something to say about what makes life meaningful, which mm -hmm. I think totally is the connection with It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and I kind of want to unpack that because I don't totally know. But other movies, <laughs> yeah. before we yeah, get into that, sure. um, other movies that this made me think of, um, one movie that we haven't talked about on this podcast yet that I'm curious if you've seen, um, and it's one of my favorites, is Away We Go. Have you seen that one? John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. It's no, a Scott I Rudin know picture. of it. I know of it. It is one it's of my favorite my movies. List. It's really? a little bit lighter, but it still has that kind of desaturated feel. It's yeah. just following this couple through a particular journey. Um, and it, it just, it feels a little similar, even though it, the the kind of out, outlook on life is a little, wow. a little that different. that pairing, and like no one talks about that movie. So it's got to <sighs> be... I love it. A little serious, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's serious. Huh. Well, I mean, the just base level, it's a couple trying to basically find a home when they realize that um, the the girlfriend is pregnant, and so I think there is some, like I there's I think there's a lot of connections that could be made, oh, but we won't dive into that right now. Okay. Um, the movies actually, it was movie and then movies that I watched that reminded me of this. I watched two out of four of the Star is Borns. Oh, okay. Um, the A Star is Born, which has been remade four different times, or made and then remade in a total of four times. Um, and I watched the Lady Gaga one, and then I watched the Judy Garland one on a plane. 
Um, and that has a lot of similar things that it grapples with in terms of addiction and finding meaning in life and being a burden to the people you love. Like, and so it was an interesting, I mean, obviously these are taking place in pretty different parts of society. Oh, and no, that, that connection's really, that's that's, really that is really interesting. It was yeah. fascinating just happening to watch those together. I think actually I watched the Lady Gaga Star is Born at a friend's house and then came home that night and watched um, Oslo August 31st Whoa. and was like, I think oh you told my me god! That. Yeah. yeah, it's so strange. How you <laughs> I can was like, not emotionally ready. It's but. so strange how you can watch two movies randomly, like sort of close to each other, and then think and like that have seemingly nothing to do with each other, and then be like, oh my god, those two were like really. <laughs> That's suddenly I'm in a comparative film That's course, like yeah. Yeah. the conversation. But yeah, it was it was interesting. Have you guys either of you guys seen any of those? I watched the new one. I watched okay, the new one, yeah. I've seen the Garland yeah. one, but it's been a long, long yeah. time. The new one definitely has a lot tonally also similar mm -hmm. to Oslo. Um, it's like, it is a, also kind of a bummer. It's a, it's a real bummer of a movie. Oh, yeah. I think it's more overtly a tearjerker though. Yeah. But I think that the tone of the movie is pretty similar in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Yeah. Um, you kind of feel that hopelessness from like a character who it's like, they got a lot going for them, but it's like, they just can't help but get in their really? own way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, uh, in the Ebert review, he talks a lot about how like this is a character who seems to be following a script that doesn't yeah. actually exist. That's a, yeah. that um, that's a great way to put it. That's a great quote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy, he really knew his stuff. He was good at talking about movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like this, like I say, I would definitely say that you you get more out of this movie if you're in the, like the right mindset. But I think that like taking these others into account, into uh, consideration probably will get you there also in a weird way i thought that the opening oh. remind the opening the very beginning like when it's just the people talking about oslo and stuff mm -hmm. like that for some reason it reminded me of the opening credits of bedazzled in like when oh. like all these individual people have like their uh uh their, what, like, their, their, what was like their sins it was like oh, their things that was right. like What's wrong with this person was attached to you. I don't know why those that made me think of, uh, this made right. me think of that. And it, that was written, right? They're not it saying it. It was handwritten, yeah. Oh, or, yeah. Or not handwritten, but yeah, type. Um, montage is such a, a weird thing. And when I rewatched this movie, I was really nervous because those montage scenes are so strong, or that opening yeah. one is so uh -huh. strong. And when you watch Louder Than Bombs, there's one that they have in there where, like, the younger brother, not to give anything away, but like the younger brother reads from his diary and it's literally like they're playing the Tangerine Dream song from mm -hmm. Risky Business and nice. it's like doing this montage and I mean by itself it's very beautiful but you can't help but see it through like all the parodies that SNL does sure. and all, you know so like I feel like montage is like that they're trying to be like sentimental and they've kind of been ruined a little bit but for whatever reason this one be, maybe because it was such a like love letter to Oslo yeah felt yeah. just so genuine um, and I read that he like he took a bunch of people who were from Oslo who had grown up there and interviewed them and just asked them to like write and then read these out so I mean they're all genuine memories and I awesome. love that about it because it feels like a like a real you know well, yeah. yeah and that's actually one of the things I want to talk about is like the sense of place in this movie is so strong and like a lot of movies are not that good about like really establishing that sense of a specific location especially a city like oslo which i don't know really anything about oslo norway i don't know anything that's notable about it as a city that's, i don't yeah. know anything about the about the culture there or the history but i feel like i got a sense of what the city feels like from this movie and in a huge way from that opening 
like memories uh, section. Um, I did not know that it was like actual people giving their actual memories. Yeah. It felt that way, but yeah. I, I was, it's really cool to know that that was actually what it was. Um, but then also like the idea of like the growth of the city is really strong because, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, um, one of the things that like this movie conveys really well is that sense of like coming back home and like things feel different and familiar at the same time. Mm. And I think that's really, this movie portrays that in a really interesting way by like having all all the construction going on everywhere. It's like the city, Mm. it's not just the people that are changing. The city itself is changing. Um, something I think that, you know, we live in Atlanta and something that we see all the time (laughs) around here. It's like the the face of the city is never, it's, it's, it's constantly in flux. Um, Well, that montage ends with that, Big building being yep. brought down, which exactly. is it's such yes. a violent yeah. image. And it like, is, yeah. What is this doing in the? It's the death and the rebirth the all there. It's a yeah. very yeah. Um, I, one of the quotes that stood out to me in that montage was, um, "I remember thinking that I'm going to remember this." Yeah, yeah. And that like really feels like the more I think about that, the more I'm like, oh, because it really is like, you know, that whole going home, but just memory in general, and oh how sometimes goodness. memory is, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that we remember things that are important, but the fact that we remember them makes them important mm-hmm. a little bit, like, yeah. it, it's There's that moment, there's that moment kind of early on, it's like when he's in the taxi on the way into town, and like, he's coming through the tunnel, and the music swells, and then it abruptly cuts, like, you see the skyline, the music swells, yeah. and then it just cuts, it's almost like, he was expecting this big, this like seeing the city again was gonna like have a big impact on him, and then he did, and nothing happened. And the song, I, the song is is I've been losing you by uh, Aha, and okay. it's like I'd heard it before this movie, but when it played in this movie, and I was like, what's the name of that song again? And the I, I, I don't know the title, it it just feels <laughs> Norway's yeah. Norway's biggest non-metal musical export. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't realize Aha uh-huh was Norwegian. <laughs> not take That's on so me. They did yeah. more than take on me. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. this song. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it, like I definitely like I said, just to kind of summarize, like really the the sense of place in this movie and like get in. It's only enhanced really through like the interactions that uh, Anders has yeah. as he's going through town. Like the the after he has the, the conversation with his one friend at the beginning, and he just kind of falls asleep in the park. For how long? Who knows, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It's like, and then he's just, you know, he's got to hustle off and go to his interview or whatever. Uh, you know, that idea of just like being comfortable enough in a place that you're just willing to like fall down on the ground and fall asleep. Mm-hmm. That's like a level of comfort that I feel like, you know, that really tells you a lot. Because like, it's not something that most people just do like in the park. But if yeah. you're like really familiar with an area, I mean, I don't know. It was, uh, it, it felt like, it really did feel like just kind of chaperoning this person through their hometown yeah. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing I sort of saw then in as well is kind of the treatment of drug culture. Mm-hmm. Felt like that felt very specific to a certain place. I mean, I don't know a ton about Norway either. I but thought you were going to say drugs, and I was like, I don't know oh, a ton okay. about that. <laughs> Wink. Um, no, I just, it, it seemed very in line with the Scandinavian culture I am familiar with to, you know, kind of the openness with which they're talking about it, but then there is still that feeling of shame that he's clearly feeling. But, like, there's the scene with his friend and his friend's wife and their young daughter, and, like, they're, he's just... The it's dad's kind of scene. like, yeah, I used to do drugs with this dude, yeah. like, to his daughter, and it just... It felt very specific to a certain culture, because it's... Mm-hmm. I don't think at all how you would have seen it if this was, like, an American movie or an American family. I love that scene. That His friend is so hostile in that scene when he you know cracks open the beer at breakfast and he knows you know what he's doing and it just it's such a a hostile scene but 
I just oh, it's man. so it's interesting because you say that and I'm instantly like in agreement with you. But at the, in the moment I watched it, I was like, oh, he's posturing. He's trying to be like cool in front of his friends that he I used to party with. Okay, I was That's reading it as kind of accepted. Like you, it's normal. Like I don't feel like I need to treat you with kid gloves. Yeah. You've got your life, and I can still do That's my thing. Yeah. And like, but but, but, but I can read it. Because yeah. <laughs> I saw it, I felt very mean spirit. Yeah, because yeah. like his wife makes that comment is like he never drinks at lunch. Like what's he, like what are you what are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so yeah, that's that's interesting to bring that up. And like as I can totally that makes a lot of sense actually. Even though like that whole conversation that's a long that takes up like a third of the movie. That it conversation yeah. between those two guys yeah. and a lot happens after that. But like a third of the actual runtime is just this one conversation between these two people, and it is really revealing about like who this guy used to be, definitely, and how he sees himself now. Yeah, and you don't need flashbacks for that either, no. which is what I love about the movie. It doesn't give you these like pandering right. yeah. flashbacks. There's enough that's being said and unsaid between those two characters, and you just know like, you know, obviously he was a heroin addict, so mm-hmm. you know that he probably burned his friend or threw his friend under the yeah. bridge in some way, you know, hurt him in some way. Um, and I also wondered, like, how bad had the friend gotten? Like, the fact that yeah. uh, the main character went to rehab, like, mm-hmm. and his friend didn't go to rehab. Like, was his was the main character that much worse? Or did the friend never confront the problem in the way that yeah. our, our lead yeah. did? Um, I also wondered with that because they're supposed to meet up again at that party that he ends up going to yeah. and like ha- would things have been different if they had actually That's seen each great, other yeah. like would the ending have changed I'm yeah because sure. he just he just bails on him he just like doesn't show up and got no explanation as to why he's not there right um which i didn't read as like necessarily bailing it was like the guy had kind of Given him a, a no or maybe mm-hmm. a soft maybe that walk too. Away felt like a last. That's true. For a while. Yeah, that's it true. Right. Felt like like a you didn't forever. expect them to see. No. But then he goes to the party that the friend invited yeah. him to, and the friend's not there. I you just I just wondered. You like, wonder if is it this was the like tragic a last... moment. Yeah. Like... You wonder if he went there almost hoping that because he he tells his friend like you know if if it ends like know that I chose to end it like this and yeah. his friend was like fuck don't you can't tell me yeah. that <laughs> like yeah. you're putting me in the spot here now I've got to be responsible for it. Mm-hmm. So by his, that's a great point. By the friend not showing up, you almost wonder like, yeah. did he know? Did he? You know, yeah. I don't. That's and that's like, kind of that's the moment great... everything goes off the rails, where like he starts. And then it starts and then spiraling, and then you just watch. And, it, and it's important <laughs> to remember because at that at that moment, it's like you know he's not just talking because we've already seen him attempt suicide once yeah, in this movie. Yeah, do it. Again. And yeah. so like the fact that he's talking about it, you're like, yeah, he's pretty serious about this. It's not just like a cry for help kind of a thing because he did it his first attempt. Completely in secret, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's like which. What an awful way to try to do it. Though. Drowning yeah. yourself, Ooh. yeah. Fill up your with pocket, with, pocket with rocks. Yikes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. There's also a moment in that scene where the fr- he kind of tells the friend that his life is meaningless, that like the friend's life is meaningless, mm-hmm. and then. Not long after that, but I don't think it's in the same conversation. He essentially says like his life is meaningless, and I thought that was. That was interesting because I felt like that kind of set up the friend to be like what he could have been if he hadn't mm-hmm. gone so off the deep end yeah. with drugs. Like he could have a family, he could have a steady corporate job in yeah. like advertising or whatever the friend did and, you know, have a functional life and have left all this behind him. But instead he's in rehab and he's yeah. struggling to get a job and to build a life again. 
but neither of those lives have meaning to him. Yeah. Did you guys get the impression that when the friend was talking about, like, describing his own life, because it sounded like, did you guys get the impression that he was trying to downplay the fact that he was happy with where he was, or did you think that he was actually kind of, like, bummed out when he thought about where his life was? Because I got the impression he was, like, kind of faking being disappointed with his own life. I took it more as the, like, you know, we all have those things in our lives that are like, well, like, my job isn't that great. Like, I have this, this, and that. Like, no matter what your life is, you're going to have those frustrations and those, like, it's all relative. And this person's personal kind of frustration and disappointment in his life is is the frustration and disappointment in his life. It's, you know, on a relative scale, nowhere near what... The other guy's going through, right. but it is to him. Yeah, you know, it, it's still I, there's sacrifices that he's aware yeah, of that yeah. he's thinking about constantly. I guess I guess what I meant by that was like it kind of felt like he was in the moment in the movie. It kind of felt like he was struggling to come up with things that he wasn't totally satisfied with. Like when he would bring things up, it was like he was trying to think of like something else to complain about just to make it not seem like yeah, my <laughs> life's fine. So yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, as mm. a you know. At, like, it didn't feel genuine. It almost felt like he was trying to say, like, you know, yes. my job's not great. I mean, it's fine. It's not, like, you know, it's not that great. I mean, like, raising a kid is hard. Uh, uh, yeah. And stuff like that. Like, the way he was just, the way he was, it was coming out, it felt very, like, forced. Like, he was kind of forcing himself to, like, come up with things to, like, be dissatisfied about to try to, like, make Andres feel... I don't know if you guys... Like, again, I I guess maybe you guys didn't get that impression, but, like, when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, this guy's really having a hard time coming up with things to not be happy about. Thomas, tiebreaker? Tiebreaker. I... <laughs> who's right, who's wrong? Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's weird. I mean, the first time I saw it, I feel like I had that same impression that you had, mm-hmm. where... He's indicating me, listener. <laughs> he said oh, at sorry. first. <laughs> yeah. But once he's, he's a seasoned, mature sure, of viewer... Course, of course. Um, but this time watching it, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it reminded me of when you meet up with a friend from college or from high school and you're, like, having that conversation and you're like, yeah, this isn't where I envision yeah. my life going. And each one of you is, it's almost like that competition to, like, be like, well, my, my life's more miserable. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to both be like, yeah, I have a great life, but you always, I don't know, there's something human about, like, finding the worst thing and... It, it felt very genuine to me. I feel like he was disappointed with where his mm-hmm. life had gone. And I feel like he almost looked at Anders with a bit of envy for like, because I think he, he wanted to be um, a writer at one point. Yeah. And now he was a professor. And I feel like he had yes, this idea yeah. of like, Anders' life, if you held them up side by side, Anders has a more interesting life. Yeah, and, and it's almost like he probably saw it. It's more tragic. Yeah, it's, it's worse, definitely. It's, yeah, it's got, he's, and he's also kind of got a little bit of a blank slate now because he kind of gets to start over yeah. if he really wants to. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, he's like, makes that comment about, now you can like, you know, go to bed with the Swedish girl. You get all the girls, you know. Yeah. And he's like, I, you know, I don't even have sex with my wife anymore. Yeah. I just got the baby. I'm writing this thesis nobody's going to read. Yeah. Right. His life feels meaningless, whereas Anders has this like experience that, he you know can't have right he yeah, can't yeah. sacrifice these things he's hold he's held on to his childhood as well like yeah Anders is still living their kind of young adult life definitely yeah yeah whereas this guy has exited and he's an adult now he's responsible and and Anders has no ties to anything like you mm-hmm. said he's got that blank slate which I think he's he's envious of but he has you, you get that impression that he has no idea you know I think yeah. Anders would if he could or on a different day trade 
places with him. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he can never know what that experience is like. But. Absolutely. Totally. What else do you have in your notes, Thomas? Oh, yeah. Listeners. Yeah, you've he got a lot of notes. Pages of handwritten <laughs> notes. Looks like five so. or six pages of loose leaf paper with no, notes written some, on them. There's some, there's a lot oh, there's, of notes. Oh, you're, you're padding your li- you're I padding pad. your notes with blank <laughs> sheets of paper to, ma- to make it these look like These actually aren't even about the actually, movie. I just brought them in. <laughs> this is an instruction manual. No, um, no one movie that, that I was thinking of when watching this again, and I almost suggested it as a movie to talk about, but I didn't want to put you guys through that because it's in in many ways it's kind of an unbearable movie um is wings of desire which is like this german movie from (laughs) i'm big into foreign movies but it's this german movie from i think 88 or 89 and it's about um an angel stick with me here it's about an angel who is unsatisfied or dissatisfied with being an angel because i mean if you think about it being an angel, you can't have emotions, you can't fall in love. He just has to be this observer of everything without having any emotion. Yeah, it's like being a Jedi but without a lightsaber. Oh, it's, it's it sucks. Exactly. It's a like common hell. comparison. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a hell for him. So he's just wandering through Berlin for this entire it's like a two hour, two and a half hour movie. Wandering through Berlin and going from person to person. And it's just the way that the camera jumps between people, it feels very much like this movie where you'll just like leave the main character and then be like with this girl that's running, like this scene where he's listening to that girl in the cafe and then suddenly like we're on her jog with her, or we're with that person as she's having a fight with her boyfriend. It's just, and I love when, when cinema is able to do that, but Wings of Desire is definitely worth checking out. I mean, it requires some patience, but it's beautifully shot um, and it's like a perfect portrait of a city, um, which is of Berlin during like right after the wall has fallen. So it's like, that Berlin is long gone. But it's just an interesting document of a place and a people and like that terrible feeling of like not being able to feel, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. I feel like this movie has some, some yeah. learning with. Totally, because I think that is something that really is conveyed is kind of Anders' is like numbness. Mm-hmm. The um, numbness, yeah. Like he is, great... yeah, he's, he feels, he, could, he very clearly feels extremely hollow and not really feeling strongly in any direction at all. And it's like, I think that in that way, it really does communicate kind of like the addict experience in the sense of like, nothing feels right without a fix, right? And even with that, I think um, the guy playing Anders, who is also named Anders, um, he was so impressive because he he doesn't talk a lot. A lot of it is just us watching him. He's not reacting strongly but you still kind of see him sinking farther and farther throughout the movie. Like when his sister doesn't show up to lunch and sends her girlfriend instead because yeah. she can't handle, you <laughs> know, like being... such an uncomfortable oh, it's yeah. so, it's, But like you so get, you get it. You get that his sister has been hurt by him before. Yep. We don't have to know specifically how. We just know that like she's not willing to put herself in that situation yeah. at this mm-hmm. moment um, and that he's still able to be hurt by that he communicated that really well and that scene communicated the whole dynamic really well without a lot of words, without a lot of like, you know, emotional interaction. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad when you get shafted by your own family, but <laughs> clearly, but uh, you get the impression that he did that to them in, yeah. and, and far worse. And so, yeah, totally. The, the fear of being like really hurt by this person who you've probably already kind of written off, you know, it's like, it's, Mercifully, I've never been in that situation with my own family before or any members of my own family before, but uh, it's not, I mean, 
it's a very palpable feeling, even mm-hmm. if you've never really experienced it. Um, yeah. Um, and also, like, putting the, the drug addiction kind of, like, almost, in this movie, synonymous with depression was interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, almost like what was it, what led to what? You know, did the drug yeah. addiction lead to depression or was it vice versa? You know, did he go into drugs because he was already depressed or did the drugs make him depressed? It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of, you know they just kind of go hand in hand in this guy's story. Um, which again, like I said, kind of a bummer to watch. Um, mm-hmm, but definitely. it's, it's it really, but it is a really interesting and like, like, uh, you get the humanity and the story comes across really, really strongly. And that performance, I mean, it is great. I love that actor. He's, um, mm-hmm. he's been in, he was in Walking True's first movie, uh, Reprise, which is about these two, like childhood friends who, <laughs> who, dream of becoming writers, which is, feels like such a Norwegian thing. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? You would never have an American movie about two friends who want to be writers. Unless it's set in like the Novelist. 19-teens yeah. or something. Yeah, or the, like script maybe writers. Maybe the right. 70s, yeah. you know. But they both want to be novelists, and um, it's got, like, it's much faster. The editing is, like, very all over the place. It's, um, it's a really fun movie, but it's got that same feeling of, like, that play with memory and that mm-hmm. play with place and that one time at the you know beach when the wind was like you know yeah tussling your hair this way and you saw that girl and um he's in that film and he gives a a much more like multifaceted performance I think but I think the much better performance is here because he like doesn't do much on the outside but you still like feel it it's Mm -hmm. yeah the presence is so good and he's not even like a a professional actor. He's a doctor. Oh, which what? Is Whoa. Okay. What? <laughs> yeah. How does he have time for that? Yeah, and he's he's in this other movie that just came out called Night Eats the World, which is a, like, a zombie yeah. Yeah. a zombie movie. Oh. And it's like this movie, but a zombie movie. He's like the only, he's like the only person that he like goes to ex, his ex girlfriend's house to or her apartment in Paris to pick up stuff. There's a party. He falls asleep in a room, wakes <laughs> up, and like there's been a zombie apocalypse or an outbreak, and he's stuck in this house for like weeks on end and you just sort of watch him slowly drift into insanity it's wow. wild that sounds but crazy it's oh, wild okay. um but it's basically him the whole movie okay. and i don't know what it is about him he's not like you're not like wow that's like a very good looking guy he's just there's something about he, he, his presence just, he has a very yeah he's got a very weirdly arresting <laughs> presence yeah. like and i can't really put my finger on it but yeah it's like you can you can watch this guy just kind of stare off into middle distance for yeah. for a while, <laughs> yeah. and it and it conveys a lot and it conveys a lot. It, it, it's a really it's really weird how that works out with some people's it's faces that are just Bergman-esque yeah. thing. It's that Bergman-esque thing. Yeah. As um, I was looking him up, I, he's also in a movie called Twenty Two July, which is about a yeah. Norwegian terrorist attack, and oh, it's about yeah. terrorists. That yeah. is the movie that I thought this was oh. when you first pitched it. I thought this was the movie about the terrorist right. attack people because they're probably both get that, dates. Yeah, get that mixed up. Yeah, yeah. and the dates are, are close. In and fact, he like he, it, the the role seems like, yep. Yeah. Okay. I also see mm-hmm. that he's that person that you're just fascinated to watch and good or bad, but, but could yeah. also snap at any moment and yeah. do Definitely. any like he does like it's it's kind of like blank and unpredictable at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. It's like almost anything this guy could have done in this movie would not have surprised me. Yeah. You know? No. Um, and I really just love the the supporting actors in this too. And one of the things about foreign movies that I really, really enjoy is that like you don't I mean, you go see a Tom Cruise movie, you basically know just by Tom Cruise being in it how the movie's gonna play out. Mm-hmm. You know who's gonna live, who's gonna kick ass, who's gonna 
And when you see one of these movies where you're like, I don't recognize anybody in this cast, yep. it almost feels like anything can happen. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what these characters are going to be like, what they're going to do, what they're going to say, how they're going to react. So that's always like a really interesting. Yeah, that's a good it's, point. It's so interesting to me because like whenever I watch like foreign movies, especially like the not you know ones that ne- didn't necessarily be a huge splash internationally, um, it it really draws into focus how tight the Hollywood style is, uh, yeah. and it's something that I don't yeah. really think about yeah. when I'm only watching Hollywood movies because they all seem distinct until I watch a movie like this, and I'm like. Oh no, 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 no! There's like one kind of movie that's made in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and it has mm-hmm. different furniture, but otherwise the movie itself is actually just pretty much the same throughout. Um, or they they're all similar enough in style that they, you can really kind of see that similarity. Yeah. Whereas it takes a movie like this to really be like, okay, there's definitely a lot more ways to do this than I normally think about. Mm-hmm. Um, which Thomas, you might not you might not have that same experience necessarily because you watch a lot more foreign films than I do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it, it, it's almost like a, like a, it washes a little bit of like the Hollywood glimmer yeah. out of your head when you yeah. watch something like this. Well, I think Ebert has that quote about movies and it's like a very basic thing that we all know about cinema, which is that you watch movies from different parts of the world and mm-hmm. it's like glimpses, it's windows into these different places without having to leave your house. Um, like different ways of thought mm-hmm. and obviously mm-hmm. culture. But, I mean, just the way this movie's pieced together is so un-American. Yeah. Just the, I mean, just the speed with which it goes through the day. I mean, I think um, the critics love this movie, but I can't imagine that this did well at the box office. So. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, um, that's definitely one of the reasons that I, I love those, those foreign films. They just, like, offer that mm-hmm. to me, and it just... There's nothing worse and depressing for me than starting a movie and like seeing that formula or that it feels very, this is a whole other topic, but with American <laughs> movies, especially ones that are about drug addiction, they just, yeah. I mean, they feel super manipulative. So. <laughs> Definitely. And that is one thing that this movie is not, is manipulative. Yeah. Like it is very honest, I feel like, in a lot, in every aspect, not just honest about addiction, but like kind of honest about the way people treat each other, mm-hmm. very honest about like people's like day-to-day emotions not just like being even for people who this is not the most emotional day of their life you know it's like Hollywood movies really are they kind of hinge on gigantic emotions and not like the normal emotions that people feel all all day every day yeah Yeah. um and it's I think that this movie excels in at, at showing what that looks like that's what's exhausting to me about about a lot of Hollywood movies is that it's usually so ridiculous and things are so exaggerated and that's what's so refreshing about Oslo is mm-hmm. like you've you've been in that park like yeah. in the, you know early morning and you're still kind of drunk with a bunch of people and you do have that moment of like I'm gonna remember this <laughs> and yeah and that sadness of everything and the fact that it's like August 31st is at least when you were a kid that was the saddest day of the year I mean it's like <laughs> summer's over you got to go back to school yeah they talk about draining the pool the next it's day the death yeah. of, it's the death of something um and that's so morbid. I was thinking about this. It's so morbid, but I love when movies capture that feeling. I think that's what I'm after with movies is like movies that capture the, the end of something. But because mm-hmm. yeah. um, everything feels like it's always sort of sort of fading away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Those, yeah. I like movies too that capture that. Like I see myself in a bunch of these different seeds. Maybe not the drug addiction part, yeah. but. 
just I you know that being out late with people you don't know that well and being like oh I guess we're doing this now like (laughs) we're having a great time and then like wait where am I these aren't my friends like just all these different emotions that you're you just you see it you see how that can play out in your own life and stuff and boyhood actually is one now I'm thinking of it gave me that very similar feeling of just like I I saw my brother's face in that kid at certain moments and like you see your own life and yeah movies like this totally capture that in a way that you really can't in that very glossy Hollywood yeah. format. Well, when it, oh yeah. No, I was just going to say like I, I think also like on to build off of that like I think in a lot of just not just movies but like in American popular culture in general I think that these days in particular it's extremely common to like really have that focus on like live in the moment like the moment is like a major thing like right now is all that really matters. and I think that this movie takes the opposite a, tra- a track on it where it's like enjoy the moment, but also the moment does not last forever. And yeah. it's like, because it's impermanent, like it's not, it's the moment isn't going to define your life. It'll be a nice thing to think about later, but it's not that important in the long run. Yeah. It's about building, you know, your life is more important than the moments necessarily, you know? Well, I'm, I'm somebody who is, I mean, I'm so sentimental. I'm such a savvy person <laughs> and like get really affected by, places and like places that I've been and especially places I've been with people and like like this is an embarrassing confession but last week I was in you know home for Easter whatever week it was and was driving past my old school on the way to the beach and was like you know what I can, I'm gonna just drive in mm-hmm. and I hate doing that because it's so like but you're just driving around and you're like wow just to get a sense yeah. of how much time has passed totally like what's different you just want to see and there's still some things that are the same, and you're like, man, it really does feel like it was just yesterday. Yeah. It's true. No, I, I totally relate to that myself, and, like, um, you know, I, I realized, like, I, I recently went to go visit my dad, for, and I did not realize at the time until I got there that it had been eight months since I'd seen him, and which is, you know, it's a long time. I mean, yeah. and, and we do not have a, we have a good relationship. Like, we're not, like, you know, estranged or anything like that. It's just been a long time. Yeah. And, you know, it's like that with people, it's like that with places where it's like, you know, I, you know, last time I was back in my hometown was like Christmas probably. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, it's the other thing that this movie does really well in regards to that feeling is like kind of conveying the idea that like life goes on even when you're not around to see it happening. Like the the city's still growing, like your hometown is still going to grow even if you're not there to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, we keep talking about this blank slate that he has and stuff, but he really doesn't. Like he has all these things that he's still tied to, even though, you know, I think if he were to kind of grab life and, and lean into it, I think he'd look at it as, as a clean slate, but he has, Iseline that he's still tied to. Mm-hmm. He has all these like yeah. memories of his friends. He has his memory of the city that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's a different city now. Um, his family who's not there because he's pushed them away. And you know, I, I think people who want to love him, but he's kind of severed those ties. Even if you know you could rebuild them, but it's it's different now, and he's never not going to be aware of that. There's yeah. no like total clean slate for right. him. Even though I think I think. And everyone in the movie wants to help him. Yeah. But they're also protecting themselves and doing the best they can for him. Like the, his parents selling the house yeah. and stuff. And so it's, you know, it is a clean slate, but it's also like you, there's just no such thing. You, right. you have a life that you've lived. I, I guess maybe more what I meant by clean slate was like, he's got it more precisely. He has an opportunity for a clean slate, but he seems really like magnetically drawn to the light. Like all the elements of his life 
that brought him to where he was to begin with. Yeah. And it's like he doesn't seem to really want to change that much. It's like he could, I mean, Ebert brings this up in his review, but I and I agree that like Oslo is not a place that is healthy for him at this point because he's like almost too familiar with it. He knows exactly how to destroy his own life again in, mm-hmm. in Oslo. And it's like, he could go someplace else. He, he tries could... to go to New York for a minute. Like, yeah, briefly. Sort of. I don't yeah. know if tries is really, yeah. but like, that's another life raft that he throws, or yeah. like, you know, a line that he throws that doesn't get picked up. Yeah. That yep. Maybe that could have changed the movie. That one is much less realistic, mm-hmm. I think, when he's calling his ex-girlfriend and trying yeah. to be like, trying to rekindle that. That's well, less of a realistic, but I think it still is similar with his friend where it's kind of a cry for help and if it had been answered, maybe it could have changed something. Yeah. And also I think that like, you know, we haven't really talked hardly at all about the the job interview scene, which I think is like the oh. crucial scene of oh, the movie. It's such a great scene. Because it's like up to that point you still kind of feel like he has the opportunity to make something work mm-hmm. and make like a positive change. And he gets into this interview and it's another kind of sort of lengthy dialogue scene with this guy who's like interviewing he's interviewing to be like a, a writer for a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um and the interview seems to be going pretty well, but then he just kind of like, you know, he, I guess he gets like, the interviewer asked him of the gap in his resume, which we know is because he was in rehab or on drugs or both. And he just gets like flustered and he just like self-sabotaged. Yeah, he's yeah. just like, he, yeah, he just like walks out, which it was such a, like, I kind of knew that was going to happen, but at the same time, it was just like, I didn't think that was going to happen that way. And it was so frustrating. Yeah. So it was like this, I can't imagine that this was the first time this guy has ever interviewed a drug addict or a former somebody with like a checkered past i mean it's a, yeah. it's, it's, it's the writers are magazine writers like <laughs> so it was we all know about those magazine writers <laughs> i that was the moment that i was kind of like uh, maybe he's going to turn this into something maybe he's going to use that experience and kind of make it something interesting and like make it a stepping stone for himself but then by the end of that scene you're like nope not even close yeah this is heading one way but yeah yeah that was I, I still believed. I believed he could yeah. do something. Yeah, and it, it was really, it was real, it was really heartbreaking because it's not like he was rejected from the job. He just gave up. Mm-hmm. It's like it was just like he didn't want to. Yeah, it was promising. It was, it like was very promising. Yeah, and... yeah. But uh, anyway, what else you got in that stack of notes? Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, it's a lot of the stuff that we've that we've already yeah gone on about. But I do think one of the things that's pretty interesting about this film is like his class. And, you know, his background, we don't get a lot of it, but like you said, he's upper middle class. He comes from a pretty well-off background. You just get the sense that maybe this was, like, just partying too hard and it got out of hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And other people that he knew were able to continue, and he just, like, was stuck in this cycle of, like, going out, partying hard, waking up not knowing, going on the search for drugs. And then, like he said, it just kept getting harder and harder until he went to rehab. And I don't know, that's something I feel like... You know, drug use is sadly like such a epidemic in this country, and we all probably know someone that's been touched by that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I think that's something that makes this film so like that's going to make this film kind of timeless yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the film was like it was it was based on this French film. Joaquin Trier talks about this. It was based on this French film called The Fire Within, which I saw a couple months after this. It does not hold up well. Oh. Um, well, I knew it was based on the novel, the novel. Will of the Wisp, yeah, which Will was of the Wisp. published in like 1930, and it's got it like also dealing with a heroin addict, somebody who just got out of like a mental asylum. But it, from what I can tell, it's very like it's pretty. It's a pretty. 
faithful adaptation in terms of like the story beats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, this French movie, like he's an alcoholic and there's some similarities with the film. Like he's a writer. Um, you know, he's, it opens up with him, like with a girl in, uh, in rehab and then, or, you know, he's had a day out and, and basically he like totally goes off the rails, but it's, it feels a lot more preachy than this, and it's mm. super dramatic. I mean, he shoots himself at the end, and mm. it's like, uh, and then they do the pan no. away to like uh. a statue or like mm -mm. a picture, and he <laughs> so it just it, it doesn't hold up as well as this. But um, there's something about the class, like where he's being held. This rehab center is like gotta cost a lot of money, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and it's just interesting that that the filmmaker chose this this guy and not you know he could choose. Like the guys in train spotting who were yeah. super low class, yeah. um, you know, hung out on the edges of the city. And this guy, yeah. like, like you said, he had it all lined up for him probably. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that was just part of his like rebellious youth that he just put a middle finger to that. But um, I found that pretty interesting. That's just something to to unpack because there's, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get get preachy about all, all no. that, <laughs> but I do find that interesting. And then. At the end, when he's he sits down and he plays piano, and yeah. he plays it beautifully, yeah. and you're like, is that a shadow of like or a shade of who he could have become? Or, I mean, it like comes out of nowhere, mm -hmm. and it's like that last beautiful song that he like puts out into the world before the before the ending, which I guess brings us to what you guys think about the ending. I mean, is yeah. it yeah, as cut and dry as yeah. it? You know, it's it's. I thought it was very clear. So okay, if, if you're not concerned about spoilers, listener. Um, which this is not, this is obviously not Avengers Endgame level spoilers or anything like that, <laughs> yeah. but like, but no, I mean, like, essentially what happens with Anders is that, like, he ends up going to his old drug dealer, buys a lot of heroin, and, like, you, it doesn't really, like, it's not communicated really verbally, but, like, you can tell from the dealer's reaction that this is, like, a literally a suicidally high amount of yeah. heroin, but he still sells it to him. Does he say something about, like, are you going to deal or something? Like, doesn't yeah. he, there's some kind of reference to, like, oh, so you're dealing. Yeah. So this is, like, more than one reasonable person's yes, amount exactly. of exactly, yeah. Yeah, he has no qualms selling it to him, though. Right, yeah, he'll yeah. sell it to him, no problem. Him, but... Yeah, uh, and, uh, which, I mean, hey, good business decision, because, mm -hmm. you know, it's either this guy's going clean or... He's, either way, he's not a good. He's not a customer anymore. Yeah. Um, not to be super morbid about it, but um, no. But so anyway, he he acquires this like large amount of heroin, goes to his childhood home, which his parents are selling, and shoots up, and presumably all of it because like the last thing that happens is he just kind of collapses on the bed, and that's the end of the movie, um, which seemed to me pretty clear that he just killed himself by overdose. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point, he even says like. Oh, I wouldn't do it dramatic. I'd just make it look like an OD. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. he pretty much lays it out, which was yeah. interesting to me because I felt like a lot of the things I was reading wanted to keep it vague, mm -hmm. which I, I, as much as, like, I can appreciate an ending like that, I don't think that's what this was. But well, then you think, it, well, you think about, oh, God, this time I really felt this way where I was like, what do you think his parents, like, his parents are going to come home from vacation or yeah. wherever they, they've yeah. been away, and they're going to find that. Like, yeah. God. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be even more of a, a, like, a deep cut that they'll forever have to live with. Um, and, yeah, and that's, that's a brutal way to do it. It makes you angry, it, yeah. yeah it, it, it does make you angry because it's like, for one thing, it, you really get the impression that, like, they pushed him away because he pushed them away. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, like, we all kind of want to believe that, like, our parents and our families and, like, the people that we care about and care about us will 
always be able to like kind of forgive and forget and all that kind of stuff. But people have a limit, you know, it's like you can be forgive. I I think that his parents could, I don't know the exact circumstances, obviously, because I don't get into too much detail, but like, honestly, it's like, I don't necessarily think that like completely cutting him out of their life was the right move, but it's a completely understandable move. Did they do that though? I was reading and I, I not, I'm not remembering the evidence to back this up so I could be totally wrong, but I was reading that they hadn't cut him out of their life. They were just not present, not physically present at the moment, but like they were selling their house to pay for his rehab. They were taking care of like, that's right. I, I I thought the sister's reaction to him was different than the parents. Like I thought the parents were still kind of, he does say something about his parents being cold at one point Mm -hmm. or like teaching him to be cold or something. But I, I took it as his parents were still supportive of him. It just happened that they were not there right then, which is even like, I, I didn't read that almost anybody was cutting him out. Even the sister, she sent her girlfriend. She did not make that yeah, right. her wife yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, she did not make that appointment. Yeah. She, She's keeping him at an arm's length, but yeah. everybody is supporting him as much as they possibly That's can. That's true. Yeah. That is true. But knowing, like, we've been burned by this guy before. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. self-preservation. But he was never... It didn't seem like there was any kind of dramatic cutting out of, of anyone who loved him's mm-hmm. life. He still That's got true. to go to that party. A lot of people were happy to see him. He saw his friend. He saw his sister's girlfriend... He went to his childhood home, and I didn't read the parent thing as as them cutting him out. But I don't. Again, it would have yeah. been kind of in the dialogue, and I don't remember what I seem said. To, yeah, I seem to recall them saying maybe something about his parents like selling his stuff too. But I don't remember if that. I might be misremembering. He was like that. going back for his stuff. Yeah, something, something like that. But, anyway, um, but yeah, either way, like the point is like yeah, it was a really like a very cold move on on his part. Like it 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 yeah, kind of. Going someplace that he's comfortable, but creating like the worst possible situation for his parents. Yeah, it was really it's a it's a complicated it's a complicated movie about a complicated like person like a like in a realistic way, mm-hmm. and this ending really reflects that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 tough, but it's not like graphic and brutal. You know what no, I mean? In a way, in the not. way that a lot of movies, American movies, about this kind of thing tend to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do kind of get the sense that he's trying to make the merciful choice that like he really doesn't think it's kind of a like you can lead a horse to water situation mm-hmm. where like he's just he is not going to take these chances. He has had his whole life to take these chances and he is finally choosing like mm-hmm. I'm not going to take the chances. I yeah. I know yeah. you all want me to. I appreciate everything you've done, but I'm not going to take them even though like yeah, he does it in a particularly cruel way, but it doesn't it feels like he's trying to be merciful to the people mm-hmm. that love him misguided yeah yeah it's it's tough um that the most heartbreaking uh, one of the most heartbreaking moments in that movie is when you know they jump in the pool and they're swimming and they're drunk and laughing and he just that girl's like come on hop in and he just mm -hmm. like gets up and walks away and it kind of reminds me of this is pretentious reference but um La Dolce Vita, have you seen that? Yeah, the oh, yeah, the, 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 uh, the fountain scene, yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking of the very end where you've got that that girl, there's like that big rift of like on the beach, that stream, and he's like sitting in the sand, and he's like looking, and this girl's waving at him, and she's yeah. trying to talk to him, and he, he can't hear her, and she keeps talking, and she's smiling, and he just does one of these and walks yeah. away. You know, it's like that. That's true, yeah. Just like, okay, you know. Yeah. It's, it's so heartbreaking, and I... 
God, I love when, when this movie does that, and just when movies do that, when they give you that thing where you like, you can't put your finger on it, you can't really explain it, but you're like, yeah. Well, just... yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think in both of those movies, it's definitely a case of like, the scene is a case where like the person that you're following is like in a situation that seems like something that they want, and then they get there and they're like, uh, this, isn't yeah. this isn't doing it for me. You're like, there it is, just, just go, just join yeah. the fun, yeah. but it's just not that yeah. easy. Yeah. And you know it. This, yeah, and uh, one of my favorite moments was just like this little thing, but there was like that moment like on the bicycles with like the fire extinguishers. Oh, I yeah. thought that was like really, like on the, these bicycles and using like fire extinguishers to like propel them forward almost. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was and such just, a strange you know, little like, what thing. The hell is <laughs> yeah. I never would have thought of that. It actually kind of looks like fun. Drunk biking. I don't know yeah. if I can manage that. With the fire extinguisher, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, like another one of those like little things, like I, it seemed like, I don't know. I, I feel like movies like this oftentimes have like those little like odd encounters sprinkled in, and this was that was really like the only one in this movie that I can remember where there's just some kind of like weird peripheral thing that was happening that has no real bearing on the plot. It was yeah. just like it was just kind of like setting up this night being just like one of those silly nights where yeah, like just, you know you yeah, stay out past closing people. and it's just like yeah let's just see where this night takes this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this and like that was probably the most like fun moment of the entire movie <laughs> in this very bleak and gray kind of a movie, but. Uh, but still, it was like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird. Because like, I'm, as I'm hearing us describe this movie, I'm thinking like, man, I don't know. If, if I just heard somebody describe this movie, I'm not entirely sure if I would just like watch it that way. But trust me, it's like, it is a, it is a unique kind of uh, experience that I think is like, it, it should be seen more. I think that like, it's something, it's, a, it's almost like a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a movie that like, after I watch it, if I go for a walk, I'm going to, I'm gonna walk differently than I did before I yeah. saw it. Yeah. Before I sat down to, to watch this, like I'm gonna look at the leaves a little different, and that's really hokey sounding. But no, yeah, you just like it's a movie that just sort of grounds you. It's just the way that it's shot and the way that um, Trier like frames the city and this character in it. And like even if you don't have the horrible, I hope you don't experience with drugs. Yeah, just that sense of like just feeling lost one day, feeling down one day, and then you're just like. Everything's around you. It's kind of a it's kind of a hopeful movie in that way to me, mm-hmm. which I, is weird. Yeah. Maybe it's selfish. I don't. Well, know. I mean, well, <laughs> no. I mean, I, I definitely think that like it is a movie that kind of forces you to think about where you are, and both geographically, like where you are located, and like what your city is like, what your what your hometown is like, and your like relationship to like your relationship to your hometown, and your memories of it, as opposed to the reality, but also where you are in your life, where you are with the the people in your life yeah. and like your relationships with, I, I mean it really kind of forces you to think about those because it's so close to reality because like it all feels so real it does kind of force you to get into that mindset of you know considering what your you know what your situation is and how you communicate with people about it and how you it 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 influences the way you view your surroundings and your your own memories mm-hmm. um so this is a very specific situation in the movie, but it's it kind of is is one that encourages the viewer to consider their own life in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that Norwegian language, I don't know about you guys. It's it's so strange, but mm-hmm. it's very beautiful at the same time to me. There's yeah. something about it. It's so you watch their mouths, and it's like they don't really move, but they make these. I don't. I don't know. I've, I've lo- I love Norwegian, <laughs> but yeah, it's so like just 
doesn't share a lot in common with the English. No, it right, feels yeah. like, like it sounds it's like just water total... over stones kind yeah, of. Thing. And that yeah, that adds beautiful. to the like nature. All right, get your poetry out of here. Get your poetry out of here. It adds to it. So I don't know. When I watch the movie, I'm like instantly kind of calmed down by that. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. though they're like, oh, I was doing heroin so much. And you're like, this is so nice. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, it all seems so normal. They're talking down these beautiful, like, Ikea-outfitted apartments. <laughs> oh, I know. And that's enough to so make you want to Everything's got natural yeah. light and white walls. Just... Well, there's another part, like, there's another part, too, where he's in the cafe and he's, like, over... We're, like, a little bit over time <laughs> here, but I don't whatever. Uh, no other so This is a good scene to end There's on. the part <laughs> where he's in the cafe and he's, like, overhearing other people's conversations. And that is, like... You know, the opening gives you kind of, like, a glimpse into, like, the lives of people that live in Oslo and have memories of Oslo. But then this other part is very much, like... When people are talking about just nothing, really, and, like, yeah. what people talk about, what's important to you in that moment, and it kind of gives you, like, a glimpse into, like, what's on people's minds that are around you that you don't really know anything else about their life except what they're currently talking about. You know, if you're in a public place and you overhear people chatting. What's an important thing to, to do? Like, I'm, I'm not encouraging people to go listen in on This strangers. is the podcast that encourages eavesdropping. Well, heck yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> but, like, we're... You know, we're so wrapped up, especially now that we have all this technology that we can just like mm -hmm. lose ourselves in to just go sit somewhere and listen to other people. I mean, it mm -hmm. makes you realize like we're all living together. Yeah. We're all everybody's got their all, own life we're too. We're all in it together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it reminds me of you know those like kind of um, like trendy little online words that'll pop up sometimes, and it's like a word we don't have in the English language or a mm -hmm. word that like nobody uses. And I could think of the definition, I had to just Google the word, but it's um, Sonder, I think, or Sonder. The, like, realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. Wow. Like, I, I felt that a couple times during the movie. And even when he's talking to his friends, like, that's, that's what I'm getting from the conversation he has with his friend yeah. where he's like, I have, like, you know, my wife and I aren't intimate. Our, we have to raise a kid. Nobody's going to read my thesis. And even his friend whose birthday party he goes to, She's like, oh, all my yeah. friends either are dating so younger sad. women or yeah. are having kids, and I'm neither of those things, yeah. and so I don't really fit in here. And I feel like it, it did, that helped, like, what you're saying about kind of who this guy was and his his positioning as far as class and the opportunities he had. Um, I think mm -hmm. this movie is so empathetic and so yeah. aware of the complex lives going mm -hmm. on around him that you don't feel squeamish about that. Yeah. And I think that also further evidence, I'm glad you brought up the language thing, because uh, uh, further evidence that the Scandinavians just think about the entire universe far differently than anyone else. Um, our good friend Mel has that tattoo of a word that I cannot remember now, but like I believe the translation is like, it's a Norwegian word that yeah. translates to like uh, feeling nostalgic for a feeling you have not experienced before. It's not hege or... Is it's it some, Hige? Oh, Huga? Huga. Huga. Everyone's Huga. obsessed There's with Huga. There's the Norwegian thing. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of... Oh, God, that makes me a little sad. The whole, like, Ikeaization of yeah. furniture and everything, but... Yeah. Huga. That's Huga. great. But, uh, yeah, anything else we haven't really touched on that uh, you wanted to bring up while we're, while we're here? No, just that... I mean, you gotta, you gotta see this movie if you can. If you got a, a slow afternoon, you just want to unwind with a good drug addict movie yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no sure. it's it's i think it's a great film i think it's going to be one of those films that just sort of is is looked back on as like one of the most important at least of the last 20 years mm -hmm. yeah i would definitely say that like if you have the patience for a movie that unfolds at like the speed of real life mm. and that's the kind of thing that you're interested in this is absolutely one that you should not sleep on it's really it's really en engrossing um 
very much like feels like a real life scenario. It's you know adequate, you know, accurately portrays kind of like person to person contact in a way that not a lot of films do. Um, so for that, definitely, I would highly, highly recommend. Yeah, me as well. It's one that I think I'm going to be thinking about, like you said, a lot. Um, just of the future. I think there's plenty more I could talk about now, but um, it's it's one that's worth kind of holding back and thinking on for a while. So yeah, totally yeah. would recommend. Awesome. Um, occasionally we have guests, we ask about like plugs, sort of, but uh, I mean, if there's anything that you're interested in, anything you've come across recently that we, doesn't have, necessarily have to have any connection to what we've just been talking about, but anything you would just want to get the word out about, anything that you think is cool. Oh that, man, films, books, anything? Films, books, anything. cool restaurant, I don't, anything. Anything you're working on that you think is cool? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, I'm always trying to read and watch new stuff. I'm, recently, I've been trying to get back into reading, I've been reading, um, the stories of John Cheever. This is a guy who is this American guy, wrote about like New Yorkers, which I was kind of like, eh, I don't want to read a bunch of Woody Allen stuff. But, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. This guy's prose has like inspired me lately. Really good writer. Um, wrote some, like really fantastic short stories. They're like each eight pages, and he fits so much life in eight pages. It's unbelievable. Um, if you're just looking to get back into reading. Um, What's John Cheever? John Cheever, okay. yeah, fantastic. And then um, been reading a little Haruki Murakami, mm. Japan, um, fantastic stuff. And then trying to, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Criterion Collection has a has a channel now. Um, after Filmstruck passed away, unfortunately. Um, Criterion now has a bunch of titles on their website. I think it's like, you know, it's $10.99 a month. Netflix mm -hmm. is $15.99, and they use algorithms and try to brainwash you. So people, <laughs> so pessimistic. But um, God, I'm such, a, up, guys. such an Criterion old, such collection. old man. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Criterion has some great movies, and if you're like looking for, you know, a way to get into the classics and to world cinema, I mean, it's got not only the movies there in like high def you know quality it's got interviews and it's got behind the scenes stuff it's just really it's fantastic and you can just sort of lose yourself in in exploring that so yeah cool. excellent plugs. awesome yeah well thomas thank you so much for being here this is <laughs> yeah. excellent this is really delightful yeah, glad we finally got to do this mm -hmm. um yeah um hopefully we'll have you back real soon um but uh yeah car anything before we go no, I think I've talked my heart out here. I think I've, I've poured it all out. Nice, awesome. Well, um, yeah, you know, one thing I noticed is that, like, you know, I think every every film that we've talked about this season so far has been a foreign film, so we should just keep that going. Yeah, I guess, are we going to count? It's British. The, it is, well, it's not a foreign language film, but it is a foreign yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. British. Those British actors are getting on. Wait, is John Lithgow, is he actually British? John Lithgow? No, 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 it's Gary Oldman. Oh, See, Gary now Oldman. I'm getting him so confused. Yeah. One of the Winston Churchills. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we were remiss. We didn't mention this at the top of the show. But, uh, of course, if you like what you hear, uh, of course, we would love for you to like, subscribe, rate, review us. Um, tell your friends. Tell your family. Um, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Okay, have you seen both places? And yeah. uh, if you are interested in being a guest... You probably just find us because you probably if you're listening to the show there's a, there is a good chance you know us in person but also um, uh, yeah khys podcast khys podcast at gmail.com that is our 
That is our email address. So, yeah. Um, but uh, thank you so much for joining us. As always, we will be back next time with another wonderful guest and another wonderful movie. So, until uh, then, I'm Kyle. I'm Kari. And this is KFUC. See you later. See ya. I'm the dead dude.